Welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold podcast. Chris and Alan will be sharing unique and raw insight on what it takes to succeed. Both hosts are authors and businessmen and have been mentoring and consulting for their clients for over 50 years with their combined knowledge. So without further ado, we have an exciting show for you today. Let's get started. Hi, it's Christopher Cumby with Think Bold, Be Bold. And I'm here with my awesome co-host, Alan Witch. And we've got a great guest today. Alan, are you there? I am. I'm running between the raindrops in order to get here. It is really nasty here in Portland. I know it's probably sunny where you are. It usually is. How's it going today, Chris? Well, it's, uh, you know, this, what I always say is the sun is always shining behind the clouds. So, Alan, <laughs> uh, it's okay if it's raining up there in Portland. Uh, at least it's not snow because I hear that uh, a lot of the uh, northeast is definitely, um, you know, getting uh, enough of that lately. So anyway, Alan, you know, we've had some great shows and I'm particularly excited about this show because this is a, you know, a man that, you know, I have a lot of respect for. I've followed and uh, he's, you know, connected with so many amazing people and uh, it really shows and it shines and it, you know, he is a carer, a giver, and uh, he has been kind enough to uh, take an hour of his time out for us today and, uh, and really bring out, uh, you know, what I always call the genius zone. And uh, I'm excited, uh, but, you know, like all shows, I'd like to give you the unique pleasure to uh, introduce our guest today and uh, we'll just get right into it. Well, I thank you, sir. Appreciate that, Chris. Yeah, um, I too. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty humbled by uh, the guests that we have had to date, and uh, today is no exception. Um, our guests are um, increasing in, in size and notoriety and reach and growth and exposure and experience, and, uh, you know, we're honored by that. And uh, today, today is the same. Um, a lot, a lot of things happening in the world today, and there's a few people out there making a real big difference, not only in their arena, but in the arena of the entrepreneur. And our guest today uh, definitely has that uh, has that badge. Talking about a, a professional author, um, somebody that has uh, uh, built a life in real estate, uh, built a life in law, built a life in helping other people alleviate stress and challenges and build a life worthy of the reason that they were born. Um, this gentleman, pretty pretty amazing the, the things that he's accomplished and I'm excited to chat about him. I'm, ex I'm excited to get him in into the mix here. So without further ado, and, and we have a little drum while I wish we had a, a, an audience to clap for you, but Greg Haig's in the house. Greg, welcome to the Think Bold, Be Bold show. Hey, it is my absolute pleasure to be here, Chris and Alan. Thank you, and I am so excited. Think Bold, Be Bold. First of all, what a super cool name for a show. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And by the way, speaking of the weather, and I guess you you said it's raining in Portland, et cetera. Well, yeah. I got to tell you, I'm here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and every day is a sunny day just about here. It's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, it looks days. pretty nice. I'm, I'm seeing it looks pretty nice where you're at. Yeah, I, bet. I can see the sunshine as well. But, you know, Greg's in the house, and, you know, this, uh, this is a really exciting day for us. Um, you know, Alan, we talked about this leading up to it, and, uh, 
you know, uh, scheduling and, and getting Greg's time is not always easy, but we managed and he has a great staff to be able to do that. Um, Greg, I just want to get right into it because, you know, I know the you know audience um, is going to be excited about your story. And it's certainly a story because you've had uh, an adventure, if you want to call it, through your life and a journey. And, you know, that's what I want to do. Roll back the time a little bit for you, if you want to call it what uh, our friend Daniel Hall calls it, uh, the Wayback Clock. Uh, or the Wayback Machine, I machine. think. Yeah, the Wayback <laughs> Machine. Um, Greg, listen, um, you're larger than life, but I know there was a beginning. And that beginning probably uh, had some, uh, what we uh, always call some struggle. And uh, I want you to roll back and, and tell us about that journey, because um, it's an amazing one at that. And, uh, you know, again... Tell us where you uh, were, where you are, and most of all, what I get excited about, what's your vision? And um, I'm just going to zip it and listen because I I know you've got a lot to share, and uh, we're going to give you every moment to be able to do that. Well, thanks, Chris. First of all, uh, I am quite sure the larger in life thing is uh, not the case. Very nice compliment. (laughs) Thank you. But, you know, when I I get up early in the morning and I uh, trundle my way out to the garage and... uh, in my boxer shorts uh, to work out, and I'm feeling miserable, and it's like, am I really going to do this for another day, this workout? And I somehow power my way through it. Believe me, the last thing I feel like is larger than life. Trust me. <laughs> but, uh, well, my, my uh, backdrop, I don't know how far back you want to go with me. The show, uh, if we go too far back, the show might go on uh, many hours. <laughs> so it happens when you get a little older. Whatever you think is relevant. Yeah, what's relevant. Well, I... Backdrop quickly, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. My dad, who uh, has passed away many years ago, was so proud of. My dad grew up without many of the advantages that I had. He was a single, his, his uh, dad passed away when he was three, so his single mom brought him up, had a high school education, was a fighter pilot instructor in World War II. After uh, World War II, he and mom got married, and he so, so wanted to succeed. He, uh, he wanted to have a big life, and he had none of the advantages. You see, he had no money. He had no open doors. He had no education. He went to a, uh, a, me- a, a mediocre public high school, and, and, uh, and yet he had a hunger for success. And through simply hard work and what I call being smart, And one of the things I talk a lot about when I do my presentations is the difference between being educated and being smart. My dad was not educated, but wow, was he smart. And so what happened as I was growing up, my dad became very successful in real estate through a combination of learning to be smart and incredibly hard work. And I I, I tell a story on my, my blog, Savvy Dad website, where I write my fathering stories. It's called The Green Couch, and it's how... My father, I would sometimes wake up in the morning to go to school, and Dad would be driving in the driveway, having spent the night at the, his real estate office all night, and he had this green couch in the, in the corner. He would sometimes take naps on that, and the reason he came home in the morning was to shave, take my sister and me to school, and then go back to work. So we're talking the major league work ethic. Nothing, nothing. I, I believe I've worked hard, hard all my life, but nothing like that. So I was inspired to go back again. I was inspired by the work ethic of my dad. I was inspired by seeing a person who didn't have the the big education be able to get out there and still make it. And then, you know, the truth is that because of my dad's hard work, because 
he valued me and my sister so much, I was able to have a good education. I went to, went to college, law school, as you point out. I passed the bar exam. I am an attorney. And, and um, I think that the foundation of the success that I've had, for whatever, whatever that is, and I'm not one to judge myself. That's up to other people, has been a combination of three things. Certainly, having a good education is better than not. But seeing my dad work the way he did, having him instill, quite frankly, that work ethic in me, and then getting a sense for what the difference is, Chris and Alan, between education and smarts. And I don't think a lot of people really understand that. I think they, they, they equate being educated, school educated, with being smart. And oh, there is such a difference. You see, when I graduated from law school, I thought I was smart, and uh, I went out, started my own real estate firm, had a lot of success for two or three years, and then I got caught in the 20% interest rates uh, back in 1980 and uh, lost everything. And it wasn't just because of the interest rates. It's because I had made a lot of not smart moves, and uh, the education, I realized, was just not, uh, the, the success isn't all about that. So, so. I fell on my face and had to start over, and that was very rough because I had uh, I thought I was a I thought I was a big important person. I thought I was a big man on campus. I wore Brooks Brothers suits and Vacuna coats, and back in Cincinnati, and I belonged to the Bankers Club and Hyde Park Country Club, and all these things. And I had the big ego. And I don't know if you ever heard of Jerry Springer. Remember oh. Jerry Springer? <laughs> oh yeah. Yes, Okay, so when he was running for mayor, I was his campaign manager. When Jerry Springer was running for manager, <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, I won't. I don't know that I can share that story here, but uh, because he did something you wouldn't want to be doing while you're running for office, he uh, didn't make it, and uh, that changed the trajectory of his career. Point is, having lost everything and having to start over was a real humbling experience for me. But oh my gosh, best thing that could have ever happened. I would have never had the kind of life that I've had as a result of that. And. I will, uh, won't belabor this, I'll let you ask some questions, but, but what that taught me, the go-to, is, uh, and this is one of the things I teach a lot when I do my personal development talks, what I lack in smarts, I make up for in effort. What I lack in opportunity, I make up for in effort. What I lack in open doors, I make up for in effort. What I lack in money, I make up for in effort. You can just about make up for anything in effort. And I don't think people get that. Mm -hmm. I don't think they realize that you can have those things you want. You can reach those dreams. It's just a matter of how much effort are you willing to put in. Wow. That is just a fantastic opening. Alan? We're done! <laughs> yeah, we're done. Oh, what, a, what a fantastic opening. And, uh, you know, again, I couldn't agree more, um, Greg, with effort. You know, similar um, to a you know struggle or or what you want to call um, you know falling on your uh, back or or butt, whatever uh, you know hurts more. It certainly happened uh, through through my life as well. And you know, one thing uh, you know, I have a wrestling background, and I always say that you know, as a wrestler, you never want to stay on your back too long, and that gives you that courage to stand up again and go at it. And um, you know, I think and, and I can salute you for that because I know exactly, but. You know, efforts, um, uh, I, I truly believe, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand that concept, but when you're consistent and persistent 
you know, you can overcome a lot of resistance and, you know, you can walk up that mountain as high as it has to, you know, that it is in front of you sometimes. But, it, you know, it, it, there, there are a lot of true stories when you, you know, continue to go on. It's amazing when you look down how far you've come. So, um, you know, thank you for sharing that story and that story and uh, about your dad, because uh, certainly my dad's my inspiration as well. And I love the green coach or the green couch, I should say. Uh, That is just uh, awesome. And I'm going to have to get myself acquainted uh, with that. And, uh, you know, listen, you wrote a really cool book and and, and I do want to bring it up because I'm a father and, and a lot of what I do is, you know, for that and, you know, my children especially and coming through uh, adversity in life. Um, that's what my book is about, the success playbook. And I, and I wrote it for my children, give them some insight to, you know, the things that I've learned along the way, not only being an entrepreneur, but growing up. And uh, I wanted to pass that on. I think, you know, everybody should write a book to pass on to their family or their kids if they have some. But most importantly, I want to talk about your book because um, it, it sends chills down me, uh, you know, on some of the comments that, uh, you know, Harvey McKay, Tom Hopkins, uh, you know, and, um, you know, that they say about the book, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, for example, and they said some wonderful things about your book. Um, How Fathers Change Lives. Can you fill us in on, you know, where that inspiration came from? I mean, I obviously heard that, you you know, you had a lot of regard for your dad. Um, But, you know, tell us about that book and and what that book, uh, you know, represents uh, for the audience, uh, if you can. Um, Greg? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when I, in my uh, presentations, uh, I talk about, one of the things I talk about is clarity. Uh, one of the things that people need to succeed in life is having absolute clarity. I have basically five things that I teach. And in the clarity front, I talk about clarity of purpose, clarity of process, and clarity of person. So this relates to clarity of person. Uh, I look forward, and you picture this big room. And it has super high ceilings and flowers all over and uh, maybe a couple hundred people there. And they're all sitting, looking forward. And up in the front of the room, there's a box. And in that box is me. And what I think about is, what do I want people to think about me that day? Because that's when my time is over. What do I want them to be saying about me? And you know, it's really cool. People say, hey, Greg Hagg, he was a really smart real estate guy, and he was really this and really that. But, but, but if they never said any of that, nothing about success, and all they said was just this, you know, that Greg Hagg, he was just one heck of a husband to Roseanne. He was an amazing friend. He was somebody you could call at 3 a.m., and he'd be there for you. And, oh, my gosh, what a remarkable dad. He worked his butt off at being a father. May not have been the smartest dad, (laughs) made a lot of mistakes. We all do as dads. We know that. But boy, he worked at fathering. Those three things, being a good husband, being a good friend, being a good father. So the inspiration behind that book was because I talked earlier about how important my dad was to me and how many lessons he taught me. And the subject of my next book and what I talk about in my presentations is a concept called smartsmanship. Smartsmanship. That's a trademark term that I developed, and it's one-sentence rules to help you make better decisions, fewer mistakes, and know what to do when others don't have a clue. And they're like thinking guides. They're just ones, and they they have been transformational to me. My dad got me started, and then I've developed some. So the book, going to the book, How Fathers Change Lives, what I thought 
is that I see a lot of dads when they're younger. And when I mean younger dads, younger kids. You know, the kids are five years old, eight years old, 12 years old, whatever. That's, in my view, younger dad, younger kids. Well, what I observed as I got older and my kids got into their 20s is that a lot of the fathers around me, my friends, weren't intensively, as intensively, fathering their kids. Kind of natural. The kids get older, they go to college, well, then they go off and get married, and, oh, I mean, you still love them, and they're still this, but you're not doing the kind of intensive fathering you might do when they're younger. And, and I thought, you know, I think that kids need, as they get older, may need more intensive fathering than when they're young. And but a different kind of fathering. It's mm -hmm. not their, you know, the, hey, I love you and it's wonderful and all this stuff and let's do small talk. Of course they need that. But something even at a higher level, something where you teach them the kind of things that my dad taught me that have made such a difference in my life that, that really at seven, eight, nine years old he couldn't have taught me. But when I was 18, 20, 21, 23, 25 years old and we talked uh, five, six times a week and he used every talk as, as a way to, you know, impart some wisdom in me. So... What that book is about is not me trying to preach to fathers how to be a better father. I don't feel qualified to do that. I, I think I've been a good father. I sure work at it. But what it is, here was the concept behind the book and why I believe it became so popular, is that I spent a year, and actually my son Brian and my wife Roseanne, the three of us, collaborated on the book. I just happened to be the lucky one that you know, gets, gets my name up there as the major author. But it was really a, a work of the heart by Roseanne and by my son Brian. And the idea was to go around and ask kids what the greatest adventure and greatest lesson they ever learned from their dad was. Now, interesting when I say kids, don't think kids that are 12 or 15 or 18. They were as young as 8 and as high as 82. Wow. So, obviously, in a lot of cases, the kids... Fathers that long passed away. But that's not the point. The idea was to ask people, what's the greatest adventure you had with your dad and the greatest lesson you learned from your dad? And then to share that on my Savvy Dad website, SavvyDad.com, and then take the best of those stories and share those stories in the book, How Fathers Change Lives. So what I'm really doing in that book is, unlike most books, I'm not the the one who's just saying, hey, here's a whole book about everything I know and you should learn it. It's rather, I did share a story of my dad, actually a couple. My sons each shared a story about me, what they thought the greatest lesson they learned from me and the coolest adventure. And then we have uh, 35, 40, 45 other kids sharing those same things. So the book is really a book of fathering as told by children that here's what, here's the best thing I learned from my dad. And the idea behind it was, if you're a dad, to read that book, by the way, it's, it's great because it's potty reading. You know, it's like three pages, four pages each. You can read it pretty sure. quick. And uh, to, to, to get a broad, uh, a broad look at what kids are saying, not the dads are saying, but the ones who are impacted are saying about here's what you should be doing to be a great father. So that was the concept behind the book. Fantastic. And, you know, I have four children and uh, I love the fact that you, you know, you said kids from eight to 82. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love the fact that, you know, we could be children for, um, you know, our kids uh, or, or, or like-minded in, in that regard for, you know, as, as old as we want. And, um, you know, my children range from, uh, well, my youngest, Bennett, is nine months old. My, uh, my, my Coleman is two and a half. My Ellie is uh, nine this year. And uh, my oldest son is 23 this year. So I've got a 
broad spectrum, but I love the uh, I love the aspects uh, of what you um, just talked about, and um, you know certainly going to get my hands. Uh, in fact, I already downloaded it, um, you know, to read through. And, and like you said, they're short uh, and sweet, and you can get you know through it. But um, fantastic! Thanks for sharing that, Greg. Uh, you know, really. Um, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's great to know that, you know, gentlemen like yourself are out there sharing some of these things that, you know, can inspire uh, people and, and specifically dads. And SavvyDad.com, I love that. Uh, Alan, take us away. Yeah, fantastic, Greg. I mean, you've got a, a way of taking your, your business savvy and uh, bringing, bringing your kids in and bringing your kids along the way and encouraging others to do the same thing. And I think that's uh, uh, something that... Uh, all entrepreneurs uh, can use that should do that should uh, show and, and expose not just all of their successes but some of their uh, setbacks and their challenges and you know we talk about ethics in business and and that's a you know a big course in college and and in the professional world but there's also something else I'd like to talk about and that is transparency in business and I think along the way uh, it's you know transparency has always been ruled as vulnerability, and vulnerability is always a bad thing in business, whatever your business might be. But um, I think maybe that's not the case. I think maybe the more uh, vulnerable you can be, the more transparent you are, the more relatable that you are, and the more relatable that you are, the more that you're going to be able to connect with people, and they're going to be able to see more than just your offerings. And you know you've gone. Or your your life is you know you've you're the number one you scored number one uh, in the Arizona bar exam if I if I'm understanding that correctly and you've got a hundred and twenty two national real estate office franchises and you've also had a point in your life where you needed to sell your son's coat to pay yeah. bills. And I, I say that, I don't say that tongue-in-cheek. I've been there. I know what that's like. And my kids were right in the middle of that and watched that and saw that struggle. Tell us a little bit about the, the struggle of the entrepreneur and the fact that it's okay to share part of that journey. Well, um, you covered a lot of ground there with respect to transparency. You see, I think that business is about interacting with people who you like and trust and who like and trust you. And while there's certainly a place for selling, selling from the perspective that you explain what you have, you, you advocate what you have, that's okay, that's totally cool. Uh, I'm all about also being positional, saying why what I have is better than what's out there, never being personal, but, but this vulnerability, this transparency, you see, I agree with you. When people see who you really are, when people understand your backstory, one of my videos, one of the things I talk about uh, when I, in my live presentations is this idea of in real estate, because I have a coaching company, realestatemavericks.com, and I have agents all over the world now, Australia, Canada, uh, who we coach and I produce videos for. And one of the things I teach them is it is so critical to start every presentation. And this would be true in any business, not just real estate, any what we'll call a presentation where you're talking to people about 
why they should either buy what you have or do business with you, with your backstory. What is your backstory? What are you all about? I mean, it's briefly, they don't want to hear 30 minutes probably, but a minute or two of why you are where you are, why you're, you know, the why, you know, the Apple why, the Simon Sinek why, why you are doing what you're doing other than to make a living and put bread on the table. And so this idea of vulnerability, transparency, to me, that's everything. That's powerful. Number one, it's right. It's right to let see people see who you are. And number two, it's powerful to let people see mm -hmm. who you are as a person and as a business. And this backstory, I even talk about some of the themes that you might think about in terms of what your backstory will look like and how it will resonate with people. You certainly want to be dead accurate, but you know, there's the, there's the lost and redemption theme where you've lost it all and redeemed yourself. There, there are a number of themes like mm -hmm. that. And I learned many of those uh, from reading books uh, about storytelling, et cetera. But bottom line is that, to me, is everything. Letting people see into who you are uh, as a person and what you are as a business. Perfect. Great answer. I really resonate with that, and I think the whole audience will, too. I can see, I, I can just imagine all these heads shaking. Mine was. I can see everybody well, can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then just to finish up the, the $6 coat story and selling my son's coat, yeah, that was a... That was a very, very, very tough time in my life. I had, um, I had worked very hard. I had built a big business. And uh, I lost it all when interest rates went to 20% uh, back in 1980. Uh, I had put everything into that business, my heart, my soul, and all my money, and every nickel that came in back into it to grow it. I was so proud of it. Um, I'm proud of myself. I worked 12, 14 hours, hour days. Uh, my wife today, Roseanne, she worked side by side with me way back then. <laughs> We've been together a long time, and, and we weren't married then, but um, the, lost everything and had to sell everything to pay bills. And what happened is the $6 coat story is that we had, uh, we had a yard sale to sell the stuff that we had, and my son, Brian, who I mentioned before, helped me write the book and works together with me in Real Estate Mavericks. I believe he was... Uh, four or five years old at the time, and he had a blue coat, you know, blue winter coat. And this was in the winter in Cincinnati, Ohio, and it was cold and it was snowy and the yard sale was going on. And it was not a, a particularly um, a happy time having to sell everything and start over. And um, Brian came up to me and said, uh, Dad, uh, while the yard sale is going on, I, I can't seem to find my coat. I put it on the banister there. So I said, geez, I don't see it there. So I walk over to the neighbor uh, who's helping us with the yard sale here in our, inside the home, walked over to the neighbor and she says, oh, Greg, that coat is Brian. She said, the people driving away just bought it. And this is my son's coat. It wasn't for sale. <laughs> it's his coat. And they bought it. And I, I asked the silliest question. <laughs> this is so stupid. I said, how much? <laughs> and she said, $6. <laughs> and I have to tell you personally, that was one of the low points of my life, realizing that that because of my reversal and because of uh, some of the mistakes I'd made, being undercapitalized, not saving money to be able to withstand a storm that I didn't expect, that, um, that my son's coat got sold for $6. So that was, a, that was a rough time back then. But it made me stronger. And as I told you before the show, I am so glad it happened because I do not believe I would have had the robust, rich life that I've had were it not for that. Yeah, I can totally relate. Been been in that in that situation, and you're and you're right. It is it's a game changer. 
You know, yeah. I don't wish that on anybody. I don't wish that people have to go through that. But it is a, a, a very, you know, viable piece of, of life for a lot of people in today's economy. And, yes, it is. Uh, it, it's relatable and it's real. And uh, if you can come out on the other side of that with uh, some humility and with some grace and with some opportunity of value to give people, then I think everybody wins. And, and with the mindset, as I said before, that what I lack in money, I'll make up for an make effort. What I lack in smarts, I'll make up for an effort. <laughs> you know, just, just, and, and another thing, don't look back. You're not going that way. Don't look back. You're not going that way. And regret, I learned this back then, regret is the past crippling the future. Regret is the past crippling the future. And you just can't let that happen. If you're an entrepreneur in particular, you, you cannot let that happen because you're going to have reversals. You're going to make mistakes. That's, that's just as endemic to entrepreneurism. If you're not, you're not going out and pushing out hard enough. And consequently, you just, number one, can't look back other than to learn, mm-hmm. you know, other than to learn. And you can't regret. You just move forward. Super words. Yeah, for sure. And uh, there's some wisdom there. You know, I hope everybody has their journal and their pen out because this is uh, certainly some great information. Yeah. I'm, I, I know haven't, I, 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 I just have not stopped writing uh, just because, again, any opportunity that I can learn and I'm, you know, a, a big advocate that you have to be constantly a learner uh, in life and, and stay teachable. And that's one of the keys. And, you know, one of the things you brought up, um, you know, from, you know, you know, hitting some rock bottom, is that uh, it was temporary. It was temporary, Greg, when you looked at it and uh, you got through it and, and you look back today and you can, you know, somewhat laugh about it and, uh, and get yourself, uh, you know, from, a, from, from that mindset that, you know, got you there. And uh, certainly you mentioned it. It's the mindset that got you where you are too right now. And I know that we all have things that happen. And, uh, you know, when that happened and, and, you know, you coach people now, um, you obviously believe in coaching because uh, it's part of your business. It's what you uh, you know work with uh, other real estate people on, and um, certainly help them uh, go after the things they want. Give us um, give us some insight on coaching in particular, because um, I think you know for anybody out there listening today, um, you know they might be contemplating uh, you know finding a coach to help them with something that they want to endeavor on or you know get to a new level. And uh, again, I'm a big advocate of uh, expanding your um, you know your uh, your knowledge by using other people's, <laughs> and uh, you know that's the best way to you know accomplish things is that you don't have to know everything. You just got to find people that you know have some of that knowledge and, and can help you with that. Um, you know, mentorship, uh, you know, cult coaching, uh, somewhat similar but very different. Give us your take on, you know, that aspect because, you know, I know you do it and, and, and there's an importance behind it. Maybe you can let our audience know what that, what that importance is. Uh, yes, uh, happy to do that. Well, to me, and uh, there are a lot of coaches in the world who coach a lot of different things, but to me, coaching involves two components. Component one is the specific area in which you coach professionally. And with me, that would be real estate. Uh, The other is, I believe, whether you're coaching in real estate or any other professional area, that you also need to have a component of what is typically known as life coaching. But for me, it's I have a different characterization. I see it a bit differently. I see it as smart coaching. Because regardless of the profession you're in, and we'll use real estate as an example, 
you cannot be successful in real estate by just knowing real estate strategy. You just can't do it. You've got to understand business. You've got to be smart. And I talked earlier about this difference between being educated and being smart. And so I talk about things like this. For example, to be successful in real estate, and we'll put aside the real estate teaching, we'll talk about the smart kind of teaching. Number one, you have to understand what how, you have to have clarity. You have to have absolute clarity every morning when you wake up. And I teach these three clarities, clarity of purpose, clarity of process, and clarity of person. And in a nutshell, and I talk a lot about this on the stage when I'm doing personal development talks as well as real estate talks, is how can you really move forward as an entrepreneur, move forward in life, move forward in real estate, move forward in whatever you're in without absolute clarity. And I don't mean like clarity about I want to accomplish, make so much money. I mean all the way down to every single phone call you make. You need to have absolute clarity about purpose. What it is am I going to accomplish on this phone call? Process. What am I going to say to get that done? And then person. What do I want that person on the other end of the phone to think about me when, when we hang up? That is critical to me. You can't Every day, maybe 10, 15 times a day, with people I meet, everybody I meet, every phone call that's made, when I see a phone call coming in on my cell and I see who it is, I quickly think about the clarity. Uh, what is my clarity with this person? And particularly when I'm making that. So going, even going to lunch with a friend. Think about this. You say, well, what kind of clarity do you need there? You're just having a relaxing lunch with a friend. Well, absolute clarity. Clarity that this is just about friendship. We're not going to talk business. We're not going to try to sell anything. It's purely about friendship. Absolute clarity. And so that's clarity of purpose. What would be the clarity of process? Well, make darn sure we, that, that I talk about that. And, and when we're done, then I give my friend a big hug. And I tell my friend how much I, I value mm -hmm. him or her as a friend. You know, that is clarity of Process and purpose, you know, in, in, in something as simple as a lunch from a friend. So, you know, I talk a lot about that. I talk a lot about fear. Uh, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, we all know that fear holds people back. But uh, there are two kinds of fear. The, well, there's two kinds of things that cause fear. There's, there's the kind of thing that maybe you ought to be afraid of, and that is that you're out in the jungle and it's at night and you're in Africa and you get eaten by a lion. Well, I'd be afraid too, and I don't know how much you can do about that. But, but, but most of the fear that holds us back <laughs> isn't about that. You know, what that's about is what I call a mental bruise, uh, fear of embarrassment, fear of failure, fear of rejection, uh, particularly we're in, when you're in sales. And gosh, aren't we all in sales? I mean, aren't we all in mm -hmm. sales? Whatever it is, even when we're fathering, we're trying to sell our kids on doing certain things. Or they're so, selling us. They're <laughs> selling you, exactly. So, so this idea of... So I, uh, many years ago, studied and thought a lot about fear. And at least for me, I kind of figured out what it was and a way to really not just overcome fear, but rather excel in the face of fear. And so to fear to me, and I'm talking about these components. You say, you know, what do you teach? How do you sure. mentor? How do you yes, coach? Absolutely. So I talk a lot about fear to the real estate agents so I coach because the number of people they don't meet, the number of doors they don't knock, the, the number of calls they don't make, the number of things they don't do because of fear that they'll be embarrassed or rejected or this or that, they got to get over that. Uh, and so I talk about what is fear. So think about this. Isn't fear really your mind fast forwarding to whatever it is you're afraid of and seeing it turn to crap? 
right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're seeing, you're seeing it go badly. It goes south. So, you know, to use a dramatic example, because a lot of people don't get on stages and speak, but the typical, one of the biggest fears in life is getting up in front of people and speaking, other than for us, those of us who speak. And, you know, we get to the point that we just love it. We can't wait. But, right. hey, it wasn't that way in the early days. I mean, are you kidding me? The first time when I was teaching Dale Carnegie back, I used to be a Dale Carnegie instructor, and I first got going in it. Oh, my gosh, my heart was racing. My hands were sweaty. I'm, and that was getting up in front of 15 people in a little <laughs> class, for God's sake. Not, not like 1,000 or 2,000 people. So, sure. so, But it's your mind fast-forwarding, seeing things go badly. So the two ways that I prepare, that I overcome or excel in the face of fear is, number one, hmm. realizing that the more you prepare, the less your fear will be. And you just, so, so instead, of, instead of worrying, what you do is prepare. You just dig and double and triple and quadruple and 10x prepare. The, then, as you're preparing, you're visualizing just the opposite of what fear is. You're fast-forwarding your mind. Instead of seeing the people in the room, let's say you're giving a talk. Let's say we're talking to someone, uh, someone in high school, and you have to give a presentation there to your high school, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe the class, I'm gonna, this is awful, I hate, I, the hands are sweating, and I remember with my kids it was that way. So what I, what I say is visualize, don't visualize the people in the room half falling asleep, working on playing with their phone and half of them going out to the bathroom halfway through on the opposite visualize them being totally riveted mm -hmm. visualize that having them just like oh my gosh and taking notes like crazy being intrigued and when it's all over kids in a classroom who would never normally get up they all get up and applaud because it's just so amazing what you're doing and and to visualize that and the combination of visualizing success not things going south but success combined combined with Triple preparedness. I mean, triple preparedness. That's the way not just to overcome fear, but excel in fear. So those are, those are just two examples when you say when you coach and mentor. So when I coach and mentor, I talk about a lot of concepts like that. Uh, I even talk about the definition of happiness. Uh, I think people need to get their arms around what happiness really is. I know that when I started having a lot of financial success after my reversal, uh, I'd worked so hard for it, I started buying stuff. And I'm embarrassed to say that at one point, uh, I was proud at the time, embarrassed today. Uh, I, had, uh, I had two airplanes, nine motorcycles, and three really big buck cars. And I had to hire somebody just to keep the batteries charged. And, and at the time, I thought that made me really cool that I could have all this stuff. And, and of course, today I look back and realize that's just not the case at all. But, but what it was was interesting because I was having lunch with a friend. His name is Bruce. And I told him... You know, Bruce, it's interesting. I have everything I've always wanted, but I'm not as happy as I was when I was going for it. And this is after I'd had reversal and recovered and really became successful financially. And, and he said, Greg, it's because you don't understand the definition of happiness. Yeah. And I said, well, I said, well, what's that? He said, Greg, happiness is that deep sense of satisfaction that comes from the enthusiastic pursuit of a worthwhile goal of your own choosing. And he said, people confuse happiness and pleasure. They think eating cake, watching TV, going out to a movie, that that makes them happy. No way. He said, that's cool. It's fun. It's okay. It's pleasures. But if you don't have that purpose that wakes you up with fire in your belly in the morning, something that drives you all day long, something that makes you say, no, I'm not even going to turn on the TV. Why? Because I'm so excited about moving forward in my purpose. He said, you're not going to be happy. And that's what's happened to you. You're consumed with buying stuff to be happy and that's just pleasures back before you had made it 
particularly after your reversal, when you were trying to climb back, you woke up every morning with big purpose and you were totally happy, but that's not the case anymore. Mm -hmm. So going back to finish up in my coaching, coaching and mentoring, of course I teach, teach real estate strategies, but I also teach life strategies and smart strategies and how to think, in my view, in the right way, at least the things that made a difference for me, um, Alan and Chris. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. And you know, you brought up a, a really good point, and I, 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 I want to make sure we highlight it because I think it's important for everybody to realize something. As I was listening to you, it's not about what happened to you and, you know, let's call it a failure. You actually called it my reversal. Yeah. And I just love that because that is the mindset that you shifted and created a new paradigm about it. Yes. And you actually looked at life being, you know, as a lesson, you pivoted and you, you know, continued on that pursuit and um, thank you for sharing that because, uh, and I did want to point that out because I want everybody to realize that, listen, things are going to happen to you, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're, you know, well on your way to doing things on your own and uh, you're forced to think about things more so than, you know, just maybe going to a career every day and not that there's anything wrong with that, but there's a lot of support in, in those areas. Um, but I know that, you know, true entrepreneurship takes the ability to think for yourself and that ability to continue going forward is such an important aspect. And I want everybody, you know, on the call or, or on this uh, show today to, or who's listening, I should say, uh, to really took that, you know, take that point of view in life. You know, I certainly just created a new way of looking at things. Mm -hmm. My reversal. Because that's exactly how I feel. Um, and, and never really, you know, let's say pointed that out to myself. I talk about uh, setbacks, um, but you know, again, the reversal is such a more, I guess, a more powerful way to look at it, and it just uh, really taught me something today. So I just wanted to make that point, Greg, and I really appreciate the story, and um, thank you for sharing, you know, what your view is on coaching, and and I agree, you know, listen, clarity is a big thing. If you know who you are, you'll know where you're going, and that's what I yeah. teach. I yeah. teach you have to know yourself because when you know yourself, you'll have that epiphany of life that you have, you know, created this purpose in your life. And, you know, when you get up every day and you get excited about, you know, what that is, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's the happiness and that's the things that, um, you know, are, are, are true. Uh, Alan, um, this is amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. I've got a bunch of things I want to ask. And I sure, let's go. go. Let's go. what I want. It, I, I feel like we're all three students sitting around a round table in a classroom. And I and I and Greg, as I listen to everything that you're talking about, I see this uh, consummate student mindset just resonating from you. Constantly planning, constantly trying to keep clear of what your purpose and 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 what you're trying to do for yourself and what you're trying to do for others. Are you finding in um, especially when you're building teams and you build a lot of teams, especially in real estate? How student-mindsetted are the people when it comes to really learning how to build a team? Are they coming into the, to their process of building their own teams with their own thoughts and ideas, or are they open to what is working? Are they open to being a, you know, a student? Because I think that's really important in, in any kind of business is to be a consummate student. Are you, what, what are you finding out in your travels and in your experiences of building teams about uh, people being student mindsetted? Well, I, I can't answer uh, from the perspective of 
an overview of all the thousands of teams that exist in real estate from small teams, I mean, just agent teams to brokerages and, and uh, what percentage might be more student mindseted or more or otherwise. I can tell you from my perspective, uh, I view a team and I've had a, many of them over the years from large brokerages, uh, 4,000 agents, 121 offices to, to small team of agents working with me uh, and in other businesses that to me, Teaming up is about working together, sharing ideas, and the student mindset is everything because the idea is we share and we learn and we share and we learn. And I was fortunate a few months ago to meet John Paul DeJario. I founded Paul Mitchell Systems and uh, Patron Spirits. He you know, owns Patron Spirits. And mm-hmm. I remember we were chatting and he said to me, he said, Greg, I asked him because Sky is worth like... Two point some billion dollars. Billion dollars. Yeah, and and so I said, I said, if you just had like one thing to share with me, I mean, what would be the go-to thing? And it's just uh, wow. Listen, he said, Greg, I'll tell you the one go-to thing: success unshared is failure. Success unshared is failure. So to me, this teamwork, this team idea, the student mindset is about everyone sharing their success with everyone. Everything you know. You share, and then everything everyone else knows, you absorb. And the whole idea is we're all teaming up with a student and a mentoring mindset. It's both. Mm-hmm. Freely share every single thing you know, and don't be an idiot and think you know it all. So have the student mindset. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, one of my lines that I, and I think it's in my book, and I talk a lot about on the stage, is it's really dumb to think you're smart. It's really dumb. To think you're smart. Okay. So, so I love that. Yeah, exactly. So the idea is, and by the way, I have that trademark. <laughs> I love it. I'm a lawyer too, right? So, um, no, but, but you see, feel free to use it. Success unshared is failure. And it, like today, why I'm the things I'm sharing, I, I get paid a lot of money to get on a stage and talk about, but whatever. It's not about that. It's just about everything I've got inside that could help you, your listeners. I mean, I'm here to share it. And that's what Paul DeJario was saying to me, success unshared is failure. So getting back to your, your question on this student mindset and building teams, I simply look at it as a combination of a full-out mentoring mindset, sharing every single thing you know, mm-hmm. combined with a full-out student mindset, being open-minded, because it's really dumb to think you're smart. Perfect. Full collaboration. I like that. And I think that that's, I think we're in the era of collaboration. I think everybody's realizing that, hey, no longer is it, can I do it by myself? Am I the CEO and I've got a thousand people and I know it all? You know so much. It's the collaboration and the student mindset. So I think that's the era that we're in. And and you just validated everything that, uh, that, that I think is important in business development when it comes to the collaboration piece. So thanks for validating that and thanks for the great story. Yeah, well, totally. I mean, I, and I don't know if I properly expressed it in the beginning of the show, but you guys are such rock stars and this show, what you're doing, this is such an amazingly good thing. It's no wonder that your uh, podcast is so darn popular out there and uh, 
Uh, quite frankly, my schedule's tight, as you said. Everybody's schedule tight. We're all busy. And I not only made the time to do this show, I was anxious to do this show because of the good work you guys are doing and the success you're having. And you see, the reason I say the success you're having is you're having the success because you're making an impact. You're making a difference. And you don't have success if that isn't happening. So um, my thumbs up and congratulations to you guys. Well, we're honored by that and humbled by that. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, uh, Greg. I uh, really appreciate hearing that. And, um, you know, again, uh, there's, there's a lot to talk about. And, and we can, you know, will you come back on the show again for us this yeah. year? You know, find another uh, 45 minutes to an hour and, uh, and spend some time with us? Be Maybe my, tomorrow? Be, <laughs> be, be my absolute honor and pleasure to, to, to help you guys in any way that I can because of what you're doing out there and helping other people. You betcha. Thanks. Well, That's we really awesome. appreciate that. And um, Well, you heard it. Greg will be back sometime this year, yeah. and uh, we're really excited about that. Now, Greg, um, I know uh, this is a great time to um, you know, really let people um, you know, connect with you, and, and, a, and a great way to do that is you know, to, to find you. And in, in, in today's world, the Internet is the place to go. It's gregheg.com. Is that correct? Uh, I have that. Actually, I'd prefer uh, that's. Uh, I have several websites. Sure. Uh, but Why don't you bring us through that? Yeah. So um, first of all, connect with me on LinkedIn. I view LinkedIn as uh, uh, kind of the go-to place in the professional arena. I have a number of websites for various businesses. Sure. But when you go to LinkedIn, you see me. That's really me. Even GregHag.com is more real estate focused, but. At uh, my LinkedIn profile, I have a number of videos, talk about me, who I am. Obviously, I have my company. So connect with me on LinkedIn for okay. sure. Uh, and, um, and quite frankly, if it doesn't sound too selfish, if you like what you heard today, write me two or three sentences there on LinkedIn, a little recommendation you know, that says, hey, uh, you know, then, and I'm proud I am the most recommended trainer on LinkedIn. And, and uh, so that's pretty cool. So connect with me on LinkedIn. And then my, my website for real estate, if you are in real estate, interested in real estate, is realestatemavericks.com, and that's with an S, realestatemavericks.com. And if even if you're not in real estate, and you, but you own a home, I just introduced a new 22-step formula for selling homes faster, and more importantly, from 3 to 8% more. And do you have just two minutes that I could share about yeah, that? Yeah, I was actually going to yeah. bring that up, Greg. Yep. And, so uh, was I, were, so go you, for it. <laughs> you were just highlighted in Forbes magazine, is that See? correct? Uh -huh. I was in Forbes. I was in on just on just a few a week or so ago, Yahoo Finance. Right. And just in this month, uh, my, my PR person told me I've been in 221 publications around the country. Um, not because, of, not because, not because of me, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm there, but it's not like, oh, Greg Haig, he's a cool guy. You know, that'd be pretty cool, but that isn't what it was. It was, I spent, so here's the backdrop. Sure. Been in, been in real estate all my life. You know that. And I, it dawned on me that the home selling process the, the way that realtors actually go about selling homes has been the same for 75 years, back in my dad's days. Uh, list a home, put up a sign, put it in MLS, do some advertising, and hold open houses. And now you can put more effort and energy into each of those. You can run a lot more edge. You can hold a lot more open houses. But the process, that five-step process, has been identical 
since my dad's day. It hasn't changed. The only difference in a component is that advertising back in those days was more print media. Now it's more online. That's just a difference in vehicle. So I thought, it's so interesting that Apple puts more thought and strategy into launching a $500 iPhone than we, we in the real estate industry, have put into launching a $500,000 home. We just basically list it and throw it out on the market like a loaf of bread on the shelf. Wow. And I thought, geez, I mean, you know that Apple gets a lot more money for an iPhone with their build-up strategies, getting people excited. Mm -hmm. They stand all in line all night to buy this. They get a lot higher price for the iPhone than if they just put it on the shelf and then said, okay, now it's there, come and buy it. And so I thought, wonder if I could put together, study, the smartest retailers in the world go to seminars. Uh, and, and that's why I studied Brendan and Jeff and all these people mm -hmm. right. and study all these sophisticated marketing techniques. And then because learn those, and then because I'm, I have expertise in real estate, import those into real estate with one singular purpose, to help home sellers, tens of thousands of home sellers across the country, actually put their home on a market in a more effective, powerful way to get them a three, four, five, six, seven percent more. It's not going to get them forty percent more. So I tested it, and the thing—it actually works, and it should. I'm not going to go through some of those, but I have twenty-two steps in this thing that we've never done in real estate that build buyer anticipation, build buyer excitement, get buyers in a better frame of mind. And the fun story is, just a couple of weeks ago, I was having lunch. Uh, down at uh, down at one of the restaurants here in Phoenix, and a friend of mine. Well, I'll say who it is. Joe Polish. Uh, Joe Polish. You probably know Joe. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, he was there. Yeah. I said I said hi to Joe. He runs Genius Network. I'm part of his Genius mm -hmm. Network. So kudos, by the way, to Genius Network. If you're not in that and you're an entrepreneur, that's an amazingly cool thing. So uh, Joe told me he's. Uh, putting his house on the market, and uh, you know he knows I don't sell homes anymore, and he had a realtor, and I started telling him about this formula. He says, oh, gosh, could you coach my realtor? And I said, sure. So we got on a, I couldn't teach him the whole formula. We got on a, a call like uh, later that afternoon. I was just on a conference call with him, and 20 minutes into, I was just going over some of these things with his realtor, and Joe pulls out his credit card, and he says, here. He says, I just take, here, I want my realtor to have your course, to have this 22-step formula course. He said, I wanted to do sell my home that way. And the client actually pays for the course for the realtor. And so, I mean, and, and fair up because, you know, I had paid for Genius Network, so I'm going to take Joe's money. It's yeah. totally cool. You know, I wrote the check there. He write the check here. But my point is, that's what was featured in Forbes, Yahoo Finances. It's not Greg Haig, such a cool guy, all that. It's Greg Haig may may have come up with a formula that's going to change the way America sells homes. And I'm really proud of that. And number one, if you're in real estate, so here's the deal. If you're in real estate, then go to realestatemavericks.com, and that's where you can check it out. And if you're not in real estate, you can go to URL uh, highpricehome, highpricehome.com, and that's where you can download a list of questions that you may want to ask your realtor to make sure they understand some of these more sophisticated marketing strategies uh, that are going to really help you sell faster and sell three, four, five, six, seven, eight percent more, which by the way is a lot of money. Uh, even a $300,000 home, six sure. percent more, it's a lot of money. 18 a lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah, so that's, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what that publicity was all about. Well, oh, it was great cool. publicity, and I'll make sure, uh, Greg, as well, outside of uh, this show, that it gets uh, broadcasted uh, through our networks. And, you know, everybody um, who owns a home would definitely be interested, but you know, I think anybody in general would be interested because everybody wants to own a home. So I think that that's something that, uh, you know, we can all look at and, and, and learn from. So thank you for sharing that. 
And one last thing, or connect yes. with me on LinkedIn and just send me a message. Who's my realtor in an area who has this formula, knows how to do this, and I'll shoot shoot them back, whomever it is, a message, and just let them know who it is. There you Perfect. go. Perfect. That was my next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, listen, I'd love to be able to talk all day, and uh, you know, but we respect your time, and we really appreciate you coming on, and, and we're at that time right now in the show where uh, it is coming to an end, but you know, we'll get Greg back on. Greg, thank you. You know, from the bottom of my heart, um, I know I reached out and uh, diligently, and um, you know, your your team is awesome. Uh, kudos to them for uh, facilitating and, and taking care of this today for us. But um, again, thank you to the audience. Uh, you know, for sitting in and listening to Greg's story and Greg's uh, wisdom, and certainly was today. I certainly have probably about seven pages of uh, notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, just jotting right through and, and coming up with some uh, some really important things that I know are, are going to help me. Uh, Alan, take us away and I'll do my final thing. And um, to you, sir, Greg, you, I salute you. Thank you very much for doing what you do. My yeah, honor great. and pleasure. Thank you. Super. Thank you. You know, we usually ask this one last question as we go, but I think you've given us so much. <laughs> you've given us so many bold moves today. You don't have to answer another question because you've done a great job. And we'll highlight some of those in the post. But thank you so much for being so generous with your time and uh, being so transparent with your history and uh, what you talk about and how you teach. Uh, We're grateful. We know the audience is grateful. And uh, we can't wait to see um, where you go in the future. Uh, We'd like to be part of that somehow. Uh, Let us know how we can additionally help you. Um, Have you back on the show for things you'd like us to promote. We're more than happy to do that. We want you to connect with our group, a special group inside for all the people that have been on the show. But again, thank you for being a part of this. Thank you for helping to grow. Thank you for helping to expand our mission and our reach. We're very grateful and humbled by that. Thank Chris, you. thank you. It's awesome. Take us away. Well, ditto, and right back at you guys. Uh, you know, I'm just going to leave everybody with this. Clarity of purpose, process, and person. And I think that that is the bold move that you can make. Uh, you know, Greg, I'll say it for you. You talked about it a lot, and I think that highlighted uh, really well today in clarity. Well, it wouldn't be a show without me saying, do something nice for someone today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.